It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and today we are talking all about holding your team accountable accountable while motivating them. So so how do you motivate your team and hold them accountable? And we're going to talk about this through the lens of myths. So lies that we've told ourselves about how this could work. So I thought that'd be a fun way to put a twist on how we do this. So we're going to start with myth number one. Myth number one, which is if we hold our people accountable, they won't like it. Have you ever heard that? If we hold our people accountable, they won't like it. We think, well, if we tighten the reins on them or we put certain deadlines, they're not going to like it because people like loose ends. They like to be able to create in their own environment. But the reality is most people do not like that. Now, everything that we're going to talk about today, there is no there is no one answer. There is no one way to move forward. It's really about getting in connection with your employees to understand what works for them. But how we're going to frame some of these up today, these myths that we're talking about, these are what the majority of people in the world like to see. Based on facts and data, I'm not just making this stuff up. And so when we look at number one myth, if we hold our people accountable, they won't like it. That is a myth. It's not true. It means that most what what people crave as humans, what we crave is to be in a container where there is a beginning, a middle and an end. Now, when we speak, we want to speak with a beginning, a middle and an end. When we listen, we want to hear a beginning, a middle and an end, because that's a structure that we can understand. When we start in the beginning, we can hear we want context. We want to understand why are we listening? What are we listening for? What is this even about? Those are the things that are going through our minds. So in the beginning, we set context. In the middle, we give the content. And in the end, we wrap it up. It's the exact same thing when we're talking about accountability. We've got to set the context and let people know this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we're up, what we're up to. Now, we've talked a lot about vision in this show, not just in this one today, but, but if you listen to past episodes, you'll hear a lot about vision. And what we're doing when we're holding people accountable, the very first thing we're sharing is the vision of what we're up to. And then we go into the the what it is. So what is it that we're asking of our people? And then we go into the deadline. And this is the piece that's most often missed. I see people setting context. I see people asking for the content. So saying specifically what I need you to do. And then... We don't put deadlines to it. Now, as leaders or managers or whatever word we want to call it, we have a deadline in our mind. There's one that we want a project to be complete by, but we don't always share that with the people in front of us. We think, well, they'll just naturally figure it out or they'll know or this, of course, will be their top priority. But think about that. When you go to an employee who's got a lot on their plate, maybe even a little on their plate. It doesn't even really matter the size of the plate or what's on the plate. They've got other things to focus on. And you go to them with the project and you say, 
hey, I've got this project that this is going to be really fun and we're doing this because this is where the company's headed and this makes total sense and will you do this? And they say yes. And so you got their buy-in and so it's great. You think that they're excited and a week goes by and you don't hear anything. And you say, I'm so confused. Where is this? I don't know where it is. Where's this project? I would like to give feedback, but I don't know where it is. Another week goes by, nothing. Now all of a sudden you're getting irritated. And then another week goes by and now you're mad. Why is this not complete? You march over to the person's desk or if you're in a virtual world, you request a meeting. You get in front of that person and you say, I don't understand. Where is this project? And they say, oh yeah, I'm super excited about that. It's on my list to complete next week. It's on my list to complete next week. Has this ever happened to you? You're so frustrated because in your mind, this was something that could have been done in an hour. Why wasn't it done three weeks ago when we first talked about it? But instead, the other person put it as a lower priority. We didn't have that conversation about the timeline. So when we forget to have the buy-win conversation, the accountability piece, the project doesn't get done based on our timeline. And it may get done based on somebody else's timeline. But we've got to emphasize these buy-win dates, hold people accountable, which means that if you want something done by a very specific time, you get to say it. So it would sound like this. Hey, here's the project. We're very excited about it. Are you bought in? Yes, we've got buy-in. Okay, so let's, let's have this complete by, let's say today is Monday. So let's just say, let's have it complete by Thursday. Thursday at noon, does that work for you? And so you're getting this buy-in from this other person. Now they can say yes or no. They don't have to be a yes to it. They could say, well, I hear that you want it done by Thursday at noon. I have four other priorities. Does this take priority over these four? Now, my job when I ran an advertising agency was to constantly be in the state of reprioritization. Something would come in for a client. It would be a higher priority than something else. And we get to constantly renegotiate priorities. If I would have missed these buy wins, the entire agency could have collapsed because everything was hot. Everything was number one. And so we got to figure out how to way, a way to be very clear about when the buy-win dates are. Our clients wanted to know what they are. My team wanted to know what they are. I wanted to know what they are. And so holding my team accountable with very specific buy-wins worked. And it actually served as a way to motivate them because I can tell you what demotivated them was when they had a full task list with every one of them being the number one priority because they didn't know what the number one priority was. And their fear was that they would pick something to be the number one priority and it really wasn't the number one priority. So they would spend all of this time working in one area, realizing at the end of it that that wasn't the priority and now they were spinning their wheels. Nobody wants to be told at 5 p.m. at night that the thing you've been working on all day long is actually not the thing that you should have spent your time on today. So guess what? You're gonna spend all evening on the thing you could have spent your time on today. That's the worst possible feeling. And yet we, as, as leaders, have the power to support our employees and not put them in that position. The question is, will you choose it? So our employees want to be held accountable. It actually makes it easier on them. So this whole myth about if we hold our people accountable, they won't like it, it's not true. 
Our people actually like accountability. They like to be accountable. They like to hold others accountable. Just like you and I, we like to be accountable. We like to hold ourselves accountable and we like to hold others accountable. So getting in the habit of setting very specific buy wins for your team is supporting them. Let them know when your expectations are of something to be complete. Now, let me give you a case study on this because I'm not just making this up. This is something that I actually see with my coaching clients. So I was talking with one of my clients the other day. This is, a, this is a CEO of a major organization. And he was frustrated because he really wanted a TV in the conference room. Not because he wanted to watch Netflix or Disney Plus over lunch. He actually thought that the TV that they had in there currently did not support some of the streaming that they wanted to use for their hybrid work. So when they were in meetings, the, the streaming capabilities for the TV, it just didn't allow them to do what the vision for the company and in, in his mind was. And so he had said to his tech person, I would really like to upgrade the TV. Now, this TV was available on Amazon, uh, at any other, any store. He could have gone into a cart and just ordered it. And then he could have had someone install it on a TV. He could have done that, but he knew that it wasn't his job to do that. It was that that really took away from what he got to focus on. So he asked of his tech person to take care of this but he asked them two months ago. And so by the time he got to me, I asked him how he was doing, what was going on. And he says, well, I'm a little frustrated. I said, okay. Now, if you listen to the show last week, we talked about the verbal vomit process and how we got to hold the verbal vomit bucket. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to a few shows, but I'll give you the recap of what that is. It's that when you're frustrated, when you're ready for a breakthrough, when, when, you, when you're just mad about something, very few people say, oh, this stinks. I'm really excited for a breakthrough. Like, that's not usually what happens. But when we get so tight and we get frustrated about it, it just builds up in our body and we've got to let it out. If we don't let it out in a productive, healthy way, we will let it out in an unproductive, unhealthy way, which could be yelling at people. It could be increased frustration, increased blood pressure. It could be illness. So when we, are, when we feel not at ease, that's when we create illness in our body. It's a whole other science that we can talk about on another show. But what we're saying today is that we get to get that out of our body. So my client, he, he's saying, I'm very frustrated. So I lean over, get my verbal vomit bucket. And I say, okay, just bring it all, bring it all to me. Just let it out. Now I'm not judging what he's saying. I'm just letting it come out. And what he was frustrated about was that this employee that he had asked to get this TV He'd asked him two months ago and the guy hadn't gotten the TV yet. He didn't understand. He said, I could have ordered this TV. I could have had it installed. It would have taken me a day, but this guy hasn't done it yet. So he was very frustrated about it. But once he got all of that out and he was clear and we could have a conversation, then I said, okay, walk me through the conversation that you had with this person. And so my client, he says, well, I, I said, wouldn't it be nice if we had a new TV for streaming services? I said, okay, great. What did he say? Well, the guy said, yeah, that'd be great. So I said, okay, could you take care of that? Could you get us a new TV? And the guy said, okay, that's fine. What's the budget? And my client says, well, the TV, it should be around 1500 and there might be some installation costs. So $2,500, $3,000, that's your budget. So the tech guy says, yeah, no problem. I'll take care of it. And that was the last part of the conversation. Now, my client for two months has stewed because 
the new TV is not up in this room. And he says, I just don't understand, Kathleen. Why isn't this TV up? I asked about it. He agreed to do it. What's wrong with the TV? Why isn't it on the wall? I said, well, is it a priority for this tech guy? And my client says, well, yeah, he said it was. It was. It's okay. Do you know that it hasn't been ordered or that it's not a priority for him in this moment? Has he taken any action on it? And he says, I don't know. I'm just frustrated because I thought it would be happening by now. And so long story short, the homework that I gave my client was to go to the tech guy and revisit the by when, because the gap was that my client didn't ever set a by when. He got the buy-in from the tech person to actually complete this job, but he never said, could you have this done by the end of the month, by the end of the week, by two months from now? He didn't get that buy-in. Had he gotten that buy-in, he would have said, hey, I noticed that we don't have the new TV yet. How's that going? Or he could have said, hey, it's the end of the month, and you said it would be up by the end of the month. Just wanted to check in with you and see what's going on. Because now they're both on the same page as to when this task gets to be complete. But when that, that doesn't happen, when that level of conversation with the buy win doesn't happen, then it leads to frustration on both parties' part. This tech guy probably, it's on his list. It's something he's going to get to. Maybe it's two months and two days he was going to order it. So in the next 48 hours, the TV would be ordered. And in the next week, it would go up. Who knows? But it didn't happen because there was no buy when. And what my clients buy when and his tech guys buy when were because they didn't talk about it. Whatever they created in their minds for the buy when didn't align, which caused frustration. Now, I've seen that same frustration lead to job loss, lead to income loss, lead to profitability loss all because we don't have those conversations. So I'm gonna tell you the biggest myth that I see is that we think that if we hold our people accountable, they won't like it. In fact, they will, they will. So think about that. We're gonna go on a quick break. When we get back, we have other myths to solve. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reason Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Today, we're talking all about how to motivate your employees and hold them accountable. So we are debunking myths. We are talking about, the first one we talked about is myth number one, if we hold ourselves accountable, our people won't like it. So we talked about that one right before the break, and now we're moving to myth number two, money is a good motivator. Myth number two, money is a good motivator, which is actually false. Money is not a good motivator, and here's why. Money only goes so far. What happened during the pandemic when everyone went virtual, except for a very small population? People went virtual, the benefits that they saw, so working from home was no longer seen as a benefit, it was seen as a necessity. So before some companies would say, well, you have a flexible work schedule and consider that a benefit, that went away. And so now what were we left with, the benefits as we see them really were stripped away. It didn't matter if you had a great exercise facility in your building, nobody was in your building. It didn't matter if you had the coolest kombucha machine, nobody was there, so they didn't drink it. And so all of a sudden, these benefits that we had built up from a tangible thing, those no longer were a thing. We really just had money to rest on. And because the pandemic went on for so long, money was really considered the biggest benefit. And the challenge with that became that other people would offer your employees the same amount of money or more. And because we're seeing all the challenges, I mean, really every company went through so many different changes and turmoil. And people don't like turmoil. They'll do anything to get away from turmoil, to get away from pain. And so they said, well, this company's offering more and I can't see their turmoil. I can't feel their turmoil. So I'm going to go there. Well, then what happened? They got over to that company and the company was <laughs> opened up their doors and they could see the turmoil in that company. And all of a sudden they don't like that turmoil. And then you saw this kind of regression you know, back into, we saw, we saw this path back to the companies that they'd worked at. Well, why did that happen? Because when people saw the messiness of these new companies, they said, well, gosh, my old company wasn't so bad. I guess I'll go back there. So that's why you see this movement to new companies. And now you're starting to see this movement back. But either way, myth number two, money is a good motivator. It's not true because it only works up to a certain point. And then what becomes a good motivator is vision. Again, we talked about that in myth number one. We've talked about it a lot over the on the Kathleen Reeson show in past episodes. But money is not a good motivator because it only lasts for so long. Does this mean you should not pay your employees fairly? Absolutely not. Because that's table stakes. You get to pay your employees fairly. But we think a bonus will be a good motivator. Well, a bonus only lasts for so long. So yes, you get to give your employees bonuses. But six months later, they've forgotten about the bonus. They've spent it or saved it. But it's not top of mind for them. So it's not continuing to motivate them. So what are some good motivators? That's the question you get to ask your employees because it drives right into myth number three. So we're going to go into myth number three, which I actually think will support you in myth number two. So myth number three is I can motivate my people. Myth number three, I can motivate my people. Gosh, I love this one because I would love to say it's true. I can motivate my people. I, I even have been called a motivational speaker. I've called myself that. But, but here's the thing, I can't motivate anyone. No one can. 
What can I do? I can create an environment where people can be motivated. But motivation and inspiration, those are inside jobs. Inspire means I'm going to give you a little bit of the fire in me. I'm going to be so excited that you're going to, you're, it's like a virus. You're going to catch it and you're going to run with it. Motivation means I'm going to dig deep down and figure out what it is that's going to get you going. And I'm going to provide that for you. But I can't give it to you. All I can do is create an environment where motivation can be fostered. But motivation and inspiration, those are your job. They're my job. They're an inside job. If I want to be motivated or inspired, it's not going to happen because somebody gave something to me or somebody told me to be motivated or inspired. It's an inside job, meaning it's me that gets to be responsible for my motivation and my inspiration. But I want to be in an environment. I want to be attuned to what environment is going to provide the best possible scenario for me to be motivated and be inspired. Now, I know that me, I'm speaking for Kathleen Reeson here, that I am motivated in an environment where there are fresh new ideas. I am motivated by an environment where people say anything is possible, where it's totally creative. We don't sit around and talk about why something can't work. Instead, we talk about how it could. We are in possibility. Not impossible. We are in possibility. We figure out how things can be created and solved. We have wacky ideas. Let me give you just a quick example. This week, my husband was on a phone call, and thank you to virtual working, we actually share an office at some parts during the week. He and I were in the same office. He's on a meeting, and all of a sudden, he says, hold on, I think my wife can support us with this. Now, when I hear things like that, I have no idea where he's going with that. My resume, if you would ever see it, is quite long and wide. There are lots of random things on it. The one that he was referring to happened to be my mediocre crochet skills. Yes, like, so my husband is an account director at an advertising agency. He did a lot of fun work. And one of his clients is a manufacturing company who makes lifts, but uh, commercial lifts. So if you were gonna put windows, if you were building a house and you hired a company to put windows up on the second floor, they would use a lift, a commercial lift, to move the windows from the ground level to the second floor because windows are heavy and you got to be able to hold them up to be able to put them in. So this lift would support them. There's all different kinds of lifts. But their creative director was talking about how they could create this incredible commercial. It was very funny, the concept of it with a guy crocheting and he had on this crazy outfit and it would have an example of one of their products would be on the, sh the sweater. And so he's talking about this and I thought, oh, this sounds really cool. I, I, this, I would be very excited to see this commercial. And they said, well, could you, could you crochet, just whip up something that would demonstrate how this could look? Well, first of all, in my free time. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. And second of all, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but all right. So now I know what motivates me is that I get going early in the morning and I get a lot of work done in the morning. And in the afternoon, my producer's saying on the spot, yes, on like like could you, they're saying, could you make this happen? And just out of possibility, but yes, like on the spot.
And I said, okay, well, I'll see what I can do. So I use a brain break. So I work really hard in the morning. And then by about one or two in the afternoon, my brain just needs a little bit of a break. And so that's a great time for me to exercise, hang out with my kids, have a snack, take a nap, whatever it is. But I get to have that little bit of a break because if I don't, then what happens is my motivation decreases, my productivity decreases. So I know that I get to have these brain breaks in that one, two o'clock time frame. Well, this just happened to be during the one, two o'clock time frame. So I said, okay, brain break time. I stopped what I was doing. And I got out my ball of yarn. I did not have their, they have a specific color, a blue color to their products. I didn't have that, but I had a dark blue. And for purposes of demonstration, it would be fine. So I, here I am during my brain break, whipping up this machine. <laughs> it's really cool. You guys, I'm really proud to tell you, it looks like a scissor lift which is one of the machines that they make. And it's got, I didn't have wheels to demonstrate it. So I just used big googly eyes because don't you have big googly eyes laying around your house? So I used big googly eyes and then I made the, the, the machine part at the bottom and then this scissor lift piece, it looks like an accordion. And I made that with gray yarn because I had gray yarn too. And then at the top where the person sits, I made this little bucket. Of course they wanted it branded. So I had put their brand on it. <laughs> And then we wanted to show a person in it. So my oldest son, he went and made a little Lego man that looked like somebody would operate this machine. And we stuck it in. And this took about an hour to create the whole thing. And my kids are like, wow, what are you doing? This is so impressive. Yeah, they're home for the summer. They're keenly, like they are so keen and observant on what we're up to. And so they see all this happening. And an hour later, I walk into my husband and say, is this what you had in mind? He sent it off to his creative director and they were all impressed that I did it in an hour. But I think that's the thing of it. Motivation is an inside job and I can't motivate my people. I can only create, create the environment. Well, the environment was a, I require a brain break in the afternoon. I know that about myself. Now I don't have an employer. I am my own employer, but think about how you could support your employees in creating the space that they need. If they, if they require a brain break, you know, yes, they get to have lunch, but if they require a brain break to be productive. Let's not say no to that because that's where some of our most creative and ingenious ideas come. I was able to create that in an hour. They could have spun their wheels forever trying to create this idea or thought, but I was able to create it for an hour during a brain break. And so that really worked. That's about creating an environment for our people or for ourselves, that works. So I can't motivate my employees, but I can create an environment for them that works. In this case, I created an environment for myself that was supportive to me and to this random project that then got to be created. Now, this is just a prototype, so don't, don't be excited here. We aren't ready to launch these, and I'm told that they're going to be... Uh, put in the pro shop if I ever created them. Now, I don't know whether I actually ever will. I'll probably only do one for their shoot for what they need, but I guess that's a possibility. Who knew? And I, oh, by the way, I'm going to put it on a jumper like thing. If you could imagine uh, what a toddler might wear, like a, with overall suspenders and, and more like a dress, it's going to look like something like that with this product on the front. 
it's gonna be super cool. I'll make sure we have pictures that we can post on the show notes so that you can see what I'm talking about. But the whole concept of when you're in your element and you know what's best for you and you can communicate that with your team, that's ideal, but not everybody does. And so as a leader, it's our job to be in communication with our team to know what really supports them in their growth. Do they require a brain break at one or two in the afternoon? Are there little ideas that we can put into their mind that maybe even during the brain break, it can still be productive, but a brain break for me is not about sitting in front of my computer. It's just about going and getting out of this element that I've been in for most of the day and giving myself space to be creative. I thrive in creativity. And so really understanding your employees and what makes them thrive, that's the key. My husband would not need a brain break. A lot of my employees, they don't need a brain break in that way. Maybe their brain break looks more like it's at six o'clock at night. Maybe their brain break means that they are not getting up as early. This morning, my alarm was set for 6.15 a.m. I was up at 5.45. That's such a great night's sleep. I fell asleep. This does not happen often, but I fell asleep thinking, oh, I got to go to bed. It's getting late. And I woke up and the the sun was shining and I thought, I got to go to bed. It's late. I had the same thought. I was very confused because I went to bed and I thought it was dark when I went to bed, but in my mind, no time had passed. That is not every night. That is a beautiful scenario, but I'm telling you that because everybody's different and what they require is different. Some people like to sleep in. Some people like to be up way earlier than I am. Some people want to get their workouts done in the morning. Some people want them in the afternoon. Their brain break is a workout. And so knowing your people and what the environment is that you get to create for them, because you are the, you are the keeper of the environment. You foster the environment. You've heard it being referred to as culture. Same thing. It's the environment that's around you. You create that. That's the context for your company. The content is what you're doing. It's the doing stuff, but the context is the culture that you set. And you're responsible for that. And based on the culture that you set, based on the environment that you set, employees can choose to be motivated. We've got so much more. We're going to wrap up this segment and go on a quick break. And when we get back, we have more Miss to Debunk. You're listening to The Kathleen Recent Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. 
To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today, we've been talking all about how to motivate your employees while holding them accountable. We've covered multiple myths, the first one being, if I hold my people accountable, they won't like it. Eh, not true. Myth number two, money is a good motivator. No. And number three, I can motivate my people. No, we can create the environment, but we can't motivate our people. So what is number four? Number four is, dun, dun, dun. If I was a drum roll, I'd have it going. Fear is a good motivator. Fear is a good motivator. Not true. Fear is not going to drive people. Fear actually takes you. So our goal is that growth happens. So growth being like what we want, what we desire, what we create, that's going to happen right outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, that part is true. Absolutely true. But what's not true is that how we create our growth, it does not happen when we are scared. It happens when we're motivated, but motivation and fear don't live in the same space. Okay, so if I'm scared, I'm actually going to retreat or I'm going to fight. You've heard of the fight or flight response. So last week's show, we talked about why this happens, the science, and I'm gonna refresh on this because I think it's really important to this conversation. So when our five senses, we know our five senses are our touch, our sight, our smell, our, our uh, taste, and our hearing, our listening. So our five senses. When we pick up a sense that is something that is fearful for us. So fear would be a bear is coming at us. My kids are going to scout camp. I'm going with my youngest to a scout camp here in a few days. And my oldest two are going up to Wisconsin where they have bears. We don't have much bears. I live in Iowa. It's just it's a little hot. The climate is a little warm for bears. But up in Wisconsin, because it's cooler and it's been raining a lot. So heavy, heavy rain, it brings the bears out. And so bears are something, they're huge. My children have never seen a bear in its natural environment. They've seen bears at zoos. They've seen bears at bear country in South Dakota, but they've never actually seen a bear in its natural environment, meaning it's just walking in the woods. So at this camp, one of the precautions is seeing bears. They actually have to put everything that they bring that has any sort of scent to it, like deodorants, suntan lotion, bug spray, all of that has to go in what's called a bear box, which is a heavy duty version of a container, like a plastic container with a lid so that it can all be, all be shut and sealed and even locked. A lot of these have to be locked because bears are smart and bears can tear in. So coolers, uh, we can't bring food. All the food has to be handled in a very certain way. And it's great that they're going to learn all of this. But as far as seeing a bear, there are lots of precautions around this. And I say this very seriously, like this is a real thing. And I just went to a meeting on this. We had a scout meeting with a lot of the parents and the kids to remind them that a couple years ago, this was not with our troop, but with another troop, some kid who was not used to seeing bears, he got his phone and he chased the bear because he wanted a picture of it, which is, is so unsafe for lots of, of reasons, but mainly being like, you don't do that. So what happened was the entire, the entire troop got sent home because this was just such an unsafe practice. 
And so the, the kids were, we shared this story as an opportunity for them to see that if you fear something, there's probably a good reason for it. But what, when we sense fear, like the kid that chased the bear, he didn't have fear over the bear. And so that's not healthy because the bear could easily turn around and come at him. Now that ended up in a safe way. The kid was not harmed, but the troop all did go home. And so we don't want that to happen with our kids or our troop. And so we are sharing with them the, the fear, but it's not from a space of motivating them to chase a bear, bear or get excited about a bear. It's actually the opposite. It's saying we don't want them to chase a bear. So we're going to share this with them. We're going to set the environment that, hey, if you choose to chase a bear, great, we're all going home. And so that's the consequence that we'll pay. So when fear happens, when we sense any sort of fear and it comes through our five senses, then what happens is that our it goes to our spinal cord up through our amygdala and our amygdala part of our brain says fight or flight. Something's happening here. I don't know what's going on. We got to do something about this. This is not okay. And so we have two choices, fight or flight. When you use fear as a motivator in your business, when that's what you're attempting to do with your employees, that's what you're going to trigger the fight or the flight, because that's what fear does. We sense fear and we get into fight or flight. Well, once your amygdala triggers fight or flight, then it sends a note to your hypothalamus to say, okay, well, which are we going to do, fight or flight? And so your hypothalamus, we then choose and we're in action. So we're either fighting or we're flighting, we're leaving. Then our hippocampus stores that. So the other section of our brain, this is all the emotional episode that we're talking about. It stores that, whatever that, that fear was that was instilled upon us. It says, when we sense that fear, we're going to either fight or we're going to flight. And then we remember those. Now, some people, very few people can then step in. If they're highly emotional, intelligent, they can climb up with what we think of as a ladder, but really work in their limbic system, which is the front part of your brain. The emotional epicenter lives in that lower part of your brain. So they can get up into that emotional part of your brain or to the, to the limbic system that's in the limbic system to the frontal lobe. They can go up into the frontal lobe and counter that fear and calm it down and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That, that frontal lobe is where we have rational reasoning, logic that lives up there. So why I'm sharing this with you is that when you use fear to motivate your employees, what you're doing is triggering their, triggering their amygdala to say fight or flight. And so most of your employees are going to be in that fight or flight response. And now all of a sudden you have intentionally created an environment where they want to fight or flight. If they're flying, they're leaving your company. They're figuring out how they can get out of there as fast as they can because it's not safe in their minds because that's what you trigger. But if they're fighting, that's where you see a lot of the controversy, the pushbacks, the tension. So when you choose to use fear as a motivator, you're not really motivating them to do anything but leave or fight. That's what you're creating because that's the environment that you're creating. So what I tell you that fear is not a good motivator, I mean, fear is one of the worst things that you can do because what you're doing is triggering that fight or flight response. Again, very few people are at the emotional intelligence level where they can calm that and say, okay, they don't really mean to scare us. What he, what he or she is attempting to do is motivate me. Okay, and so they can talk themselves through that process. But most people, when you choose to use fear, think fight or flight. And that is not what we wanna do for our companies. We don't want fight or flight. We don't want to let that response be the main one that's coming up because that's not motivating. Nobody can create 
job performance when they're in a fight or flight response, because that is about our primal instinct to protect ourselves. Just as if a bear is coming at me, I have in that moment, I'm deciding if I fight or flight. That's the same response that your employees have when you use fear to attempt to motivate them. You are the bear coming at them. And they're saying, ah, I'm not going to go take a picture because I have a fear of this and I'm going to go. I'm going to fight or I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight. So don't use fear as a motivator. <laughs> That's the bottom line of this. Fear is not a good motivator. And yet I hear people all the time. I mean, all the time say they just need a healthy dose of fear in them. I'll go put the fear of God in them. These kinds of words roll off of our mouths. And I, I just want you to shove them back in. Don't use that. So fear is not a motivator. And it's okay if this is something that you've used in the past because you didn't know. But now you know. And the more you know, the more you know. The better you can make decisions. So in this case, don't use fear. Don't use fear. All right, another myth, myth number five. What motivates me is what motivates you. What motivates me is what motivates you. We talked a little bit about this one when we talked about the brain break. Now my brain break looks different than your brain break. The challenge is when I think that my brain break has to look like your brain break, but because it works for me, it must work for you. And that is totally false. What motivates me is not what motivates you. Now, there may be cases, because there are people that have similar motivations, but most of the time, that's not the case, which means the environment that you're in, you get to take into consideration that context that you're creating. Remember, the environment that you're creating to get people to motiv be motivated, it gets to take into account multiple people. When I was running my advertising agency, I realized that how I like to celebrate was very different than how anybody else on my team liked to celebrate. So we would get a big client win, like we would land a big client. And I would say to myself, yes, good job. Nice work. You were, you were really hard on that. Nice work. I'd pat myself on the back. And that was totally enough for me. I didn't need a party. I didn't need a big celebration. That was it. But I realized that our team wanted celebration. Our team felt burnt out because we never celebrated. It was like running a race to them. It was like running a marathon, for example, that we say is going to be 26 miles, 26.2 miles. But as soon as they get to mile 25, we say, haha, it's not actually a marathon. It's actually an ultra marathon. It's going to be 50 miles. And so we move the finish line. And then we get to 49 miles, they think, oh my gosh, I'm almost there. We're going to celebrate. This is exciting. We're reaching the finish line. And I say, oh, haha, no, it's not. <coughs> Excuse me. It's actually an ultra triathlon. So you're going to run now. You did your running, but now you got to do the swimming. Cool. So get your swimsuit on. And we're going to do the swimming. And as soon as you get to the swimming, then you do the biking. You get almost done with the biking. And I say, ha, no, huh? it's actually the Tour de France. And, uh, Hop, we're going to hop on a plane and we just keep extending the timeline and, and, and. And so people don't know what the finish line is. And then they think, I'm just working to work. That's it. And now they have likened their work to a paycheck. Remember what we went about money is not a motivator? That's the only thing that they see. And now all of a sudden, 
that's not a motivation for them. So you can see how this cycle continues. So what motivates me is not what motivates you. The, the opportunity here is to be curious. <coughs> Excuse me. It's to ask your team, what is it that motivates you? Watch them. You'll see. If they start to have a slump and they're less productive, give them a brain break. No, I don't mean you got to watch the clock, but just give them the opportunity. It's okay. And even demonstrating this on your own is highly supportive. So for me, the fact that I use my brain break time and I talk about my brain break time gives permission to other people to know that if they require a brain break, have a brain break. It's okay. So simply doing what's best for you, demonstrating what's best in your case, what motivates you, gives others permission to do that for themselves. How cool is that? So take care of yourself and it's really taking care of other people too. Very nice. All right, we're gonna go on a quick break and when we get back, we'll wrap all this up. You're listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Be back in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on The Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. And today we've been talking all about how to motivate your employees while holding them accountable. And so in the beginning, we talked about accountability as having a very specific by when, that date, because the myth is that when we hold our people accountable, they won't like it is actually not true. But when you're holding people accountable, make sure that you have a very a specific by when, which means in my mind, I think that it, something gets to be done by this time period. If that's where you're at, make sure you communicate it with the people around you so that they can meet you there or they can renegotiate. But the worst thing that happens is, in my mind, I've created a story about a due date, but I haven't actually communicated it. Most of the challenges in the world are truly just a communication gap. Most of the challenges in the world are truly just a communication gap. Let that sink in. And so when we communicate our by wins, the beauty in that is that we can all be clear. So there's no hidden agenda. There's no hidden message. We're just clear. And so people like that. People like clarity. Human beings like gifts tied up in bows. And that's essentially what you're doing when you're saying, if you're going to ask somebody about a task, put a by win to it so that we can be clear all around. And then way there's no frustration. So really understand myth number one. If we hold our people accountable, they won't like it. Not true. Again, number two, we talked about money is a good motivator, which is simply not the case because money only goes so far. You also get to understand the vision and where we're headed. The context of the structure that we're setting, people care about that. They care what they're up to. They care why we're up to what we're up to. And they want to know. They don't go to work every day because they want a paycheck. They go to work every day because they want to make an impact. So if you're not sharing what the impact is, then you're losing. Because your employees are certainly asking. It's a conversation I've heard so many times. I've talked to your employees. I don't mean your employees specifically, but I've talked to a lot of employees. And what they're saying is, I want to work for companies that are making an impact. So be that company, share that with them. 
Everybody is making an impact if you're alive, if you're working, if you're a thriving company. You're making an impact. So let's share that with your employees. So myth number three, I can motivate people. You cannot. You can only set the context. You can set the environment. But it's an inside job to motivate. Number four, fear is a good motivator. Oh, no. Heavens, no. Because what you're doing is triggering the fight or flight response. You are the bear coming out of the wilderness, attempting to scare the campers. Don't do that. It doesn't work. So do not use fear as a motivator. And number five, what motivates me is not what motivates you. What motivates me is not what motivates you. So be clear and be in conversation with your employees to understand what motivates them. What motivates them? Once you understand that, powerful place to be, that's how you can create the company that you want. You can hold your account, your employees accountable while creating an environment to motivate them. Now, next week, we're going to talk about a topic that is really near to my heart. It's something that I see a lot, and it's the new role of managers, guidance counselors, the new role of managers, guidance counselors. Now, here's the thing. We got to look at some context here before we dive deep into what this is going to be. So here's the deal. When, you, when we grew up, if you're listening to this, when we grew up, guidance counselors played a really important role in what our future would be. So in what our job might look like, in the path that we get to go down, the course, the career path after high school. So going to a university, perhaps, and picking a career path to study. Guidance counselors were really great at that because that was their main focus. Now, fast forward to today. Guidance counselor's goal is to get you to come to school tomorrow, to be healthy and alive with the mental health challenges that exist in today's environment, with the gun challenges, with all of the challenges that exist in today's schools, guidance counselors do not have the space to be able to devote to future careers because they're so focused on all of the other stuff that they get to create, that they get to, they get to support the students with. And so what happens is these students they go through college, they go into early adulthood, and they're not really sure who they are or what they're up to in the world. They've just gotten by up until now. And what happens is that our managers and our, our leaders with these, this isn't just early, like this is, I see this in 40s and 50 year olds too, but it's, it's very strong in that 20 year old segment right now, that early 20s, mid 20s. And so they come out and they don't really know what they're up to. You don't really know if this is where they want to be, and they don't know how to get along with others. They haven't learned those skills. Now, I can tell you as a parent of three children, parenting through COVID, it was, it's, the last two years has not been the same as it was before that. It's not even the same as it is now, but there's this period of time where there were some social skills that they didn't get to develop. So I'm looking at my kids and my friends who are very, very healthy and doing well. But as parents, we get to we get to really work around that, work through that. And that's that's we're going to pay in the, the corporate environment. We're going to pay on that for quite a while. And so next week, we're talking about the new role of managers as guidance counselors. What does this even mean for us? What? added challenge are we going to get to face because we've got people coming into the workforce who really don't know who they are, who really don't know what they're up to, and who really don't know how to manage conflict. 
Now, when I was in fifth grade, we had the role of a conflict manager. I got to raise my hand and be the conflict manager. And I can tell you, we learned a conflict manager statement at the time. I feel blank when you blank, and I'd like you to blank. Now, those statements were ones that as a conflict manager, when we had two people that had a conflict, we were asked to support them in a neutral way. I feel blank when you blank, and I'd like you to blank. Now, the, the reality is that we, as as citizens of, of the world, we don't want to we don't want to have that loving interruption conversation with the people around us. But that's what gets to happen. And in the workplace, especially if you've got two people that are frustrated using the role of conflict managers way back from the lessons we learned in fifth grade, I think can really teach us a lot. And so that's the context for next week, the new role of managers, guidance counselors. How do we apply these principles that we've been talking about? We've got to have them because our employees are craving them. They're needing them. Here's a really cool statistic that I read. I, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. For every dollar that's spent on emotional intelligence training, which at our core, that's what we're talking about, leadership development, emotional intelligence. For every dollar of training that's spent, there's a 1,484% return on investment in companies. How incredible is that? Where else can you get that kind of return? Nowhere. And so that's why I say this stuff is so important. You want to motivate your employees, understand emotional intelligence. This is what I do. I teach this. I speak this. I coach on this. This stuff is incredible. When I learned it, it changed my life dramatically. If I would have known this a few years ago when I was running some of my companies, I still run companies today, but when I would have run, when I was running my advertising agency, wow, would it have changed how I would run that? So this stuff is powerful. And if you're interested in learning how you can apply this to your company, just let me know. You can reach out to me at Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. I believe that there's 10 key principles in emotional intelligence that really are the foundation for emotional intelligence. And once we understand those for ourselves, for the people that we lead, and for our companies, that's how we create emotionally intelligent companies. So it's as simple as that. It's, it's definitely not easy, but it certainly is simple. The first step is asking is saying, I don't even know how we'd start. I just had a company yesterday that has over, over 1,500 employees that said, how do we start? So it's very important. But remember, if you want to motivate your employees, don't use fear. <laughs> don't use fear. If you take anything else from today, don't use fear. These are very important concepts, but people want to be held accountable. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm here every single Monday with topics just like this on The Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. I will see you next Monday. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.